This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. For the first time in recent history, the U.S. arrested a Chinese intelligence officer this week and brought him to America to face charges. Yan Zhen Xu is accused of stealing intellectual property and trade secrets from U.S. aviation and aerospace companies. A report from the U.S. Trade Representative says... China's economic espionage costs the U.S. between $225 and $600 billion a year. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violis, and this is a CBS News Radio production. Before I get going, I want to thank everybody for hitting me up on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, especially Instagram. Uh, the questions that you guys had, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to respond to each one of them, especially those about arming teachers. Um, I loved them. I'm still a bit amazed at how closely polarized we are in the United States on, on that issue. But uh, some, some excellent points. Also, I appreciate those of you that have taken the time to leave a review. Uh, at cbsaudio.com slash podcast. Go to Security Matters, leave a review. It's really important to us as we grow the show for a couple of reasons. One, because, and those of you that know me know, this is all about the things that keep you up at night. So the more you tell me, then the better job I can do for you. And that is what's most important. Um, no exception today with today's show about things that are keeping people up at night. We're going to be talking about China and the omnipresent cyber threat that China poses to the U.S. and Canada. Why? Because unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we tend to take our eye off the ball when it comes to this, and they clearly are not. With the U.S. and China banging heads over, let's just say, what could be a historic economic treaty, experts right now are concerned that history once again will repeat itself, and China will accelerate its prolific passion to hack U.S. interests as well as Canadian interests, which they have done such an exceptional job of in the past, over the last 10 years, specifically the last five. Just talking from some of the leaders in the United States, we clearly have been in a cyber war, and for some reason, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't know what it is, but we're gonna, we've got someone that I consider to be one of my dearest friends, and by far, one of the best undercovers that's ever been in law enforcement anywhere is going to be joining us. I'm talking about Chris Mathers. He's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. But I'm going to tell you right now, I looked back at some of my colleagues here in the U.S. and what they've had to say about China. Former NSA director Mike McConnell, good man. And I'm quoting, I'm quoting former NSA director Mike McConnell. Chinese government has hacked into computers at every major American company. Now, if that is not a statement that should get your attention, ladies and gentlemen, quite frankly, 
I don't know that there is one that will get your attention. What we are going to break down today is the business model of the Chinese government, both in-state, I mean in-state, meaning state-sponsored actors, people acting on behalf of the Chinese government, and those acting not on behalf of the Chinese government, but their own financial interests coming from China. We're going to talk about both. What does that have to do with you? Ladies and gentlemen, it has everything to do with us because when we start looking at, at issues ranging from minor identity theft to organizations being shut down, these are the things that we need to be concerned with. The city of Baltimore right now still grappling with, over, with hundreds of millions of dollars in losses over a ransomware attack. They haven't put down where that's coming from yet, but I'm, you know, let's just put it this way. Let's not be surprised when we find out where it came from. Without further ado, I'm going to be introducing, as I said before, someone I consider a dear friend. I'm talking about Chris Mathers. Chris retired after a 20-year career, a brilliant career, with one of the foremost law enforcement agencies in the world. I am talking about the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, an organization rich with integrity and rich with vision when it comes to protecting its own and protecting the global community. When Chris retired, he was the senior undercover operator at the RCMP Proceeds of Crime section. And bearing in mind, this is a man where most of his adult life he spent undercover. Now, for those of you that are listening that are law enforcement brothers and sisters and, you, and that have ever worked undercover, you know what that means. But think about somebody who's worked undercover not just for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the RCMP, but also the, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, as well as U.S. Customs. He's gone undercover as a gangster, as a drug trafficker, as a money launderer. He's, he's gone after organizations in a, in a variety of different venues all over the globe. But for the purposes of today, in addition to many others, he has specialized in going undercover in Asian organized crime groups. I, will, I would venture to say the most vicious of all. So it is a pleasure on behalf of everybody here at Security Matters uh, that we welcome Chris, Chris with us to the show. Chris, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for the invitation, Paul. Absolutely. Chris, let's just dive into this for a second. Now, we're talking about, I mean, friendship aside here, but we're talking about over four decades of experience that you have put in, clearly one of the most prolific and successful undercover careers in modern history. It's fair to say that you've seen the evolution of cybercrime for a, a variety of, of views. Would you say that's, that's fair? It, it, it is so. And, you know, interestingly enough, <laughs> I was involved many years ago and one of the first cybercrime investigations that uh, they did up in Canada, the cybercrime unit was one guy, computer security investigation, whatever they called it then, and uh, someone was hacking into a, uh, a computer in one of the out in the oil fields, and I don't know what his goal was. And uh, our assignment, you know, we were very very young guys. Our assignment was to try and arrest him, and we were a bunch of drug cops. We just jumped the guy at the computer. They did a screenshot, which in those days was a Polaroid camera with a metal plate in the front. They put up against the computer screen, and that was their screenshot of what he was doing. No, no, I'm but laughing. there was no law at the time I'm, to even prosecute him. Brother, I'm laughing with you, man, because believe me, I, I, I have vivid memories of the Polaroid days. <laughs> so as you've those seen this days. grow, though, as you've seen this grow, um, and you've had a very unique picture from the inside out, especially, and for everybody listening, to work undercover is one thing. To work undercover in an Asian organized crime group is close to impossible. And to be as successful as Chris has, that's the, one of the main reasons why I wanted Chris to join us today. 
Chris, how would you describe the business model of in and non-state actors as they target North America, the true business model? Well, their their business model is, is, is like, you know, for, for a bunch of communists, they're very good at making money. No, no, and their, right. their model is is to subvert organizations, infiltrate organizations, and then, uh, you know, basically strip them, rob them blind. That's how they do things. And, and, and you know, it's interesting because in the early 1990s, we had uh, an Asian crime wave in North America and New York, Boston, Toronto, a little bit on the West Coast. Asian organized crime gangs were doing all sorts of you know, strong arm robberies, uh, smashing grabs, you know, jewelry stores, going in strong and taking off some, some big scores. And then almost overnight, they vanished. Because someone somewhere figured out, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we uh, doing all these crimes where we might get caught, might get shot by the police or, or killed by our other adversaries? They switched over to tech. The first step was uh, credit cards. And then they migrated from then, uh, you know, down that continuum into where they are today, which is computer crime. And that's, that's the criminal non-state side. But in China, the line between state and non-state actors is a very indiscernible one. Why do you think that? Why do you think that's the case? Uh, it, it's interesting. It, our own intelligence services, we do from time to time uh, engage people of questionable backgrounds, but sure. that's the way you have to do it in, in the spy business, of course. In the intelligence business. But over there, uh, you know, people are compelled to do the bidding of the government. It's not a democracy. Uh, you don't get a choice. If you demonstrate a, a, an ability uh, to do uh, these kinds of crimes, you will be conscripted into government service. There's not going to be any question about that. Now, Chris, you also worked undercover in Russian organized crime groups. When you look at cybercrime coming out of Russia and Eastern Europe and you look at cybercrime coming out of China, how would you draw the disparity between their business models? What does one focus on as, as opposed to the other? I think that the, the uh, Asian... And we'll say, when I say Asian, I'm talking about uh, People's Republic of North Korea and, and the PRC. So China and Korea, they have, uh, they're more intelligence and data oriented, whereas the Russians and, uh, and also the, the um, say, Eastern Europeans, they are more uh, uh, financially motivated. Although the North Koreans need some finances, they do need hard currency, and they have been responsible. For example, the Bank of Bangladesh hack was was quite obviously a, a North Korean thing. But I think the Chinese particularly, they're trying to get information. They're trying to gather intelligence to give them an economic advantage or a political advantage, whereas Eastern Europeans, although they do things like you know meddle in our elections, they are more oriented towards making money. Now the interesting part about that, why I asked that is because, you know, we are looking at this, as I said earlier, this kind of uh, on deck circle of whether or not we're going to get this, this great economic deal between the U.S. and China. And a lot of people still waiting to see what's going to happen with that. But we also know as students of history, Chris, that history is nothing more than a cause, event, and result cycle. We know it constantly repeats itself. And to your point about uh, Chinese, in, you know, both both state sponsored and non state sponsored, focusing on kind of that big in, that that big picture type of business model. I've seen where 
Chinese state-sponsored actors have repeatedly gone after U.S. contractors, uh, specifically U.S. Navy contractors, in one case stealing 614 gigabytes of data about submarine and undersea weapons technology. Now, a lot of people didn't know that when we first talked about it here on the show, and, and, and I scratched my head about that because we also look at Chinese intelligence collection operations targeting data such as nukes, the RCMP intelligence, FBI, war plans. Is this what you say is more in line with what the Chinese are focused on as opposed to the Eastern Europeans? Yes. You know, the Eastern European, let's say the Russians would like to, uh, you know, subvert Western governments to their, you know, to their own ends. But the, you know, but the, the Chinese, they're looking for hard intel. They want to be able to, uh, you know, their economic advantage is they steal the plans to the, to the F-35. They don't have to come up with it themselves. Correct. And that's how they do things. And to them, anything goes, you know, the end does justify the means and, Frankly, that their government cannot be trusted. Um, you know, the, I, I think the perfect example of this is this Huawei uh, situation. I don't know if everyone's familiar yeah, with who they are. Yeah, on that, Chris. Huawei is, yeah. So Huawei is the large, one of the largest producers of, of uh, cellular phone technology in the world, and they have the new 5G technology wrapped up pretty well, which they're trying to deploy all around the world. Except the danger is, is that the Chinese have a bad habit of building back doors into their uh, technology so they can rob us of the information that we transmit whilst making use of their technology. So, uh, and to add insult to injury, the Huawei Corporation is alleged to, by the United States, is alleged to have uh, violated the Iran sanctions. Basically, they lied to the banks so that they could do business with our enemies. So the uh, CFO, a lady named Meng Zhu, I believe is her name, uh, was traveling to one of her palatial homes that she maintains in Vancouver, Canada, on the West Coast. Oh, nice. And when she, arrived at, when she arrived at the airport, the RCMP were there to greet her, as we often do with foreign visitors, and uh, put her in chains because the United States government had asked us to arrest her so that we could send her back to America to face... Uh, charges of sanction violation. So in a true Canadian fashion, she was granted bail uh, on the condition that she paid for her own guards who would make sure she didn't leave her house without an escort and didn't leave the country. I bet you the Mounties um, love that one, just, huh, Chris? Oh, yeah, they, they, they thought that was pretty funny, but it's the next Mounties that are guarding her, so it's okay. That's but a, recently well, she was complaining complaining about her the house she had to live in was too small. It was like a $10 million house if you moved to a $15 million house. In response, the Chinese arrested two Canadian former diplomats in China and have thrown them in the, in the can. And I, I, I can tell you right now that they're not living in a palatial home on the West Coast. God bless them. Let me ask you something. Yeah. So, when, I, when I keep hearing uh -huh. this, Chris, the, and you mentioned the backdoor piece and, and technology and and China, and so many of these moving parts come into our daily path of living. And what I mean by that is, you know, we walk around, whether it be in Canada or the United States, and I don't know what the number is because it's ungodly. I mean, six-year-olds have cell phones, for God's sakes, but everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's like 
people have this massive addiction to cell phones. And China, as you're talking about this company, right, is directly in line with the manner in which we communicate and can open up technology to benefit themselves by the way we live our lives on a daily basis. If I'm incorrect there, just stop me. The thing no, you're right on. And, and you know, the, thing, the thing is with these guys is that their intelligence collection is different from the way we do it. The Chinese collect everything. They'll download the phone book. They don't care. They download everything. They'll record every phone call, every email, every text, and then they just uh, glean what they can from that at a later date if and when required. Exactly. So that's why they put these back doors into their, into their hardware and software. Like, don't trust them. They're going to steal everything. So, and anybody who thinks that they're not is, is, uh, is deluded. There's no question about that. Um, to go a little bit deeper now, for everybody listening – no matter where we are, no matter where you are right now, in the U.S., Canada, or abroad, but let's just focus on North America right now. For all of you that are listening around, here's a big question for Chris. Chris, how concerned should we be, in light of what we're talking about right now, about companies like Facebook and other technology giants doing business with the government of China? I think we have to be concerned. Here's the problem, Paul. Honest people think everyone's honest. I like to think that American business, business people are honest people. The problem is they go forth into, the, into other jurisdictions thinking that other people are as honest as them, which they're not. Facebook has their own issues with, you know, almost a billion fake accounts was one of the numbers that was reported recently. I don't know how accurate that is, but many fake accounts being established by, you know, various intelligence services. Doing business with these people, for example, China is, a very, is very big on censorship. And they only allow certain things to be, to be uh, transmitted across the Internet because they don't want their people to be informed and to be aware of you know, democracy, etc. So, yes, any of these large organizations, whether they're American-based or not, anyone doing business with Asia, like, I'll tell you, man, put both hands on your belt when you go in the room because uh, you're going to have a hard time getting them to play it straight with you. Yeah, there's no – yeah. But let me go even one step further now. So when we look at this – in the totality of the risk that's facing us right now, what must law enforcement do? And, and what, what must be their perspective to get a handle on this? Chinese intelligence operations in North America are prolific. And law enforcement hasn't even scratched the surface of this. Um, you know, they, they do a lot of influencing. And, they, and, and the U.S. government is talking about reducing the number of, of uh Chinese foreign students coming to the United States because of all the espionage. Uh, you know, law enforcement and intelligence services in North America, there's just not enough of us in our countries right. to combat this. I mean, these, guys, these guys broke into the OPM, and for the people that don't know what that is, the Office of Personnel Management, which is the, uh, the office that does all of the security clearances for the United States government. They do all the background investigations of applicants of the government except for CIA, DIA, and the FBI. So any individual who ever applied for a U.S. government position, your background information, all your, you know, your schools, your friends, all your stuff is in there. They hacked into this and stole 21.5 million records of American citizens, everything, every piece of information about their background, including 5 million sets of fingerprints. That's the information that belongs to us that they took. They broke into the Ministry of Finance up in Canada and stole their data. 
How can you trust people like this? And how can we tell business people when they're going to do business with these guys that you cannot trust them? All they care about is uh, is making their own profits, is uh, promoting their own political ideology, which is something that we do not agree with. Right. So uh, you know, try looking around the room tomorrow and see if you can find anything in that room that wasn't made in China. And this is the you know, point. We're at war with them at a cyber level and economically. Well, the, the, that is really, but the two really do, uh, inter, they, they, they do really come together and they intersect at a point that really has us where we are right now about the, really the apex of this conversation. And that is, what, that ha what does that have to do with us? What is everything that we're talking about right now, what does that have to do with the, the, you know, the, the average citizen in, in our respective countries that is going to affect them? And that's we're bringing this full circle, for everybody to understand, bringing this full circle. Think of it this way. We live our lives a certain way. We go about doing what we do, but we live our lives in the electronic world. Whether you consider yourself to be social media challenged, like myself, or someone that's much more prolific in how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis with respect to technology and texting and all the other stuff. At the end of the day, the Chinese government has made an extremely targeted approach towards gathering information about our lives. They focus on major corporations, as evidence that right, right from former NSA Director Mike McConnell said every, every major U.S. company has been, has been hacked by the Chinese government. To October 2018, 10 Chinese agents were accused of running a five-year campaign to hack American aviation companies. Everything that Chris is saying we have seen happen. As we bring this conversation full circle, what does that have to do with all of us? My final question to Chris is just that. Chris, as we look at this, there are things that we can do. There are things that we can do as citizens. There are things that we could do as business owners, as business leaders, to protect ourselves better than what we are doing. What's your message to individuals and businesses on how best to preemptively protect themselves and take better control of this situation right here? Uh, I think the answer to that in two parts. First, people need to understand that in our countries, um, you know, the public markets, the, the, the stock exchanges, the center of the banks, that's what makes the country function properly. And the faith of people, the inherent faith that people have in those, in those uh, industries is what makes our economy function. If we lose faith in those industries, our economy will fall. And what may happen to us is that if, these, if the Chinese and other state actors continue to attack us in this way, they will subvert our economic system. And that will be the end of us all. What you can do as an individual or as a small to medium business is you can wake up. Uh, a lot of people, and you say, you know, this addiction we have to technology. Right. A lot of people have all of their information available online, everything. Right. Uh, and I have this conversation with, with uh, companies all the time. You know, you don't need to have everything, every little piece of information that you've got attached to the Internet. There's no reason for that. But nowadays, it seems to be able to say, oh, I need to get my statement in, you know, instantly. I want it within an hour. I want it within 10 seconds. I want to be able to access everything online. If you want to protect yourself, you have to harden 
the areas that need to be hardened. You need to harden your, your data, your data storage. You need to train the people that work with you on how to detect these these attacks from these foreigners. Right. Uh, they're not that difficult to detect if you've had a little bit of training and if you have sharp IT security people. But you've got to spend some dough. Right. If you don't spend the money, uh, you're going to have problems. If you don't patch your... Uh, Use the Microsoft patches, for example, that you get once in a while when there's a security issue. If you don't do that, then you're going to get hacked. If you want to buy some bootleg Microsoft software from the Chinese, they'll be happy to sell it to you because you won't get the patches, and they'll be able to hack you a bunch easier. And that's the thing that people need to take away from this, you know, is that, you know, the the, the two last questions that we had the here. Conference. Chris, as we look at this and the totality of this risk, you know, we, we've talked clearly about just how significant the threat is coming from China. I get that. But the big picture here is for all of our listeners, from an individual standpoint and from a business standpoint, we understand, and it's a fact, whether we're looking at the U.S. or Canada, we just don't have enough bodies in law enforcement, in the military, to really combat the amount of people that China has at this full court press, this aggressive attack against our financial interests. That being said, from an individual perspective and from a business perspective, what's your message on how individuals and businesses can better preemptively protect themselves? I think that uh, one of the ways that they certainly can is by putting pressure on their own elected officials. Tell these men and women to stop taking these paid junkets to China and maybe start putting a little bit more pressure on them. We need to put economic pressure back on the Chinese to stop them from doing what they're doing. We're in a war with these people, and, you know, regular people don't understand that. So it has to be, um, you know, the Chinese have a billion people and growing. They've got, you know, just from a, from a man-to-man perspective, we're never going to beat them. So we have to be smart, and we have to fight a war on many fronts. So, you know, as I alluded to, training for people, uh, awareness, try not to take the easy way out and buying bootleg software, put the pressure on your uh, uh, your elected representatives to fight back against these guys, and try if you can if you can find anything, try and buy something that was made in the United States or made in Canada. Right. See if you can do that. That's a good first step. <laughs> but if you start buying you start buying software from the Asians, you start buying hardware from the Asians, you can absolutely be assured that there will be backdoors built into that if they can if that's something that gives them an economic advantage. Right. So you know, Cicero said in times of peace, prepare for war. Well we're already at war with these people. It's just not a shooting war, but it's certainly doing a lot of damage to our countries and to our the economies of our countries. It's 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 devastating. And it's certainly one, Chris. We I don't have any agree. jobs. We don't. Right. It's certainly one that I think. We don't make anything you, anymore. <laughs> we we need to take we need to take control of this ourselves, and 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 that's really the underlying yeah. message here. So much of what we do, ladies and gentlemen, creates our own risk because we have to get away from uh, the whole issue of convenience and being willing to compromise a little bit of convenience to make sure we have a lot more security. And and I really think that's the underlying message. I mean, our law enforcement our military and our respective countries do an exceptional job. 
but we need to step it up on our end because clearly China is not going to ease off. That is a fact. I mean, you're hearing from one of the most successful undercover operators in both of our com- in both of our countries, worldwide for that matter, and you're hearing a straight pitch here from somebody who's had a vested interest for over 44 years in protecting our interests. And this is a really solid, behind-the-curtain look at what we have to do and just how prolific this omnipresent threat China poses to the U.S. and Canada from a cyber side. We we really need to, to roll up our sleeves here. Chris Mathers is the author of Crime School. You need to pick up that book. It's a phenomenal book. He's the founder of Chris Mathers, Inc. Chris, if people want to get in touch with you directly, um, is there a social media handle? Is there a website? How do people get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to our company website, which is chrismathers.com, or just you know Google the name and you'll get all the details. Um, uh, That's perfect. We have uh, you know right. some uh, social media presence, but not a whole lot. All right. So if somebody <laughs> wants to get a hold of you, they can just go to chrismathers.com. <laughs> And that's Mathers is M A T H E R S. That's Chris Mathers dot com. You want to you want to get in touch with Chris? Yes, excellent. And in the United States, uh, for, for speaking engagements, they can reach out to my to my agent, Harry Walker Associates, in uh, New York, or Speaker Spotlight in Canada. Fantastic. And you know what? If anybody is ever looking for, especially for a great corporate speaker, you can't get anybody better than Chris. I mean, on this subject, seriously, he's as good as they come. Chris, you know, I love you, brother. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, on behalf of everybody here at Security Matters at CBS News Radio, I want to thank you very, very much and uh, looking forward to seeing you very soon, man. You guys keep up the good work there. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas, a CBS News Radio production. Stay with me. We'll be right back. There are so many instances that people think are science fiction that have already happened, including terrorists uh, stealing from retail companies personally identifiable information of customers in order to have plots to kill them, including Chinese uh, espionage that's driven companies into bankruptcy, costing real jobs inside America. And most troubling is that the next time we get into a military conflict, our very fighter jets with our research and development that spent years in in the making could be used against us to kill our servicemen. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas, and you are listening to my conversation with uh, former RCMP undercover great Chris Mathers. Um, uh, I want to I finish today with a final message to everyone about this particular subject. I, we, we did this because it is a legitimate concern. It's more than a legitimate concern. Chris mentioned the piece about the Office of Personnel Management being hacked and, and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of identities being compromised. My secret and top secret clearance were compromised on that as well. So I, I have you know, a personal stake in that one. But the big picture here is so much of what we do on a daily basis compromises ourselves. We buy things because they're inexpensive. But remember my favorite saying, cheap is expensive. I'm not saying that we should just boycott you know, things from China, but do understand that Chris is entirely accurate when it comes to so many things coming from China that have that back door from technology, and we need to take that into consideration. My parting advice is this on this particular subject. The threat coming from China to the United States, to Canada, is not going away. It's going to increase. 
Law enforcement and military will continue to do everything that they can do, but there are only so many bodies that can be directed in this area. From an individual perspective, what I beseech you to do is pay close attention to everything that has to do with your finances. Some may say, look, you know, I don't have any money. What are they going to take? Well, whatever they can take is money that they shouldn't take. Be very, very careful about any information that you put online. Be very careful about the communications you send from home. Now, you've heard me say this before. We've got an episode that's going to be coming up talking about securing yourself properly in the cyber world. But one thing that you can do to be really, really safe, don't share any financial information online unless it's behind a firewall or if it's covered through a VPN. It's a little bit of money. It's two, 300 bucks. It's not that big of a deal, but it will save you heartache. I promise you it will save you heartache. And from a business, please, please, please invest the money and get a comprehensive cyber vulnerability assessment. By, look, IT personnel are fantastic. I'm a huge fan of IT personnel, huge. But you don't have your own accounting firm, audit your own accounting firm. You don't have your IT staff audit themselves. Get somebody to come in to make sure from a cyber perspective, from an anti-crime perspective, you have not left a door open for your organization to be shut down. When you get a statement like the one that I read to you before from former NSA Director Mike McConnell saying that Chinese government has hacked into the computers at every major American company, take that and take that to heart. We need to do a better job of protecting ourselves. We certainly have to. You've been listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas, a CBS News radio production. For more podcasts coming from CBS, hit us up at cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. On behalf of everybody here at Security Matters, have a great week. Be safe, be well, God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.